welcome to These Lads on Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalize mental health. These Lads are Mental recognizes the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. So on this week's show, we have Dara Byrne. Dara is a confidence and mindset coach and doing some amazing things in the mental health space through his company, Conscious King Coaching. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. Well, if we, if we fast forward, so we normally ask all the guests the same question, just kicking off the, the formal questioning on this journalistly, you know, journalist-led uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your mental health. Like, it sounds like, you know, your, your upbringing probably tells your, well, we all have our own story, right? Um, so what brought you, like, to the kind of, I suppose, space of being aware of your mental health and when you decided, so let's say you're in Australia now, um, were you working? Like, what's what got you thinking in terms of your mental health journey? Um, so for me, it, I, I was always looking, my mindset was always good and solid. Um, and I made peace with myself because I parted for many years. I made peace with myself that whatever I had done. Uh, throughout the weekend or whatever was because I chose to do it um, and part of that like because the, the fear and the anxiety and the, and the stress and the you know all of those things I never got them because I made peace with my with myself and my mind that no matter what the situation was I decided to do it um, so I made peace with myself from that standpoint. So this was, it went both from, uh, both forward and backwards. Yeah. Uh, so whatever into the future, and then also whatever happened last weekend or the weekend before that or whatever. Um, so it wasn't until in, I was in Melbourne um, and I, like I said, I was always, uh, you know, I watched documentaries, I, I was, I was doing these things without realizing I was doing them. Yeah. Um, you know, being like whatever, I'd set a goal, I'd write it down. Like I said, this is before any of this stuff was popular. It wasn't until my reckoning that I got to recognize all of the work I'd been doing previously. Uh, and what that happened, uh, how that happened, that pivotal moment was, um, was one Christmas, I was in Melbourne, um, I was in and out of work, uh, partying like all the time and in Melbourne they've got a 24 hour bottle shop so it's like there's not like there's no end to the party it's simple as that there's absolutely no end you just keep going back and forth getting more drink the sun is out um, so it doesn't feel like you know there's, there's nothing to pull you back did like you ever go seagulls, to did you ever go to Revolver I used to live in the place Revolver Circus, yeah. Um, the vineyard up on on Ackland Street, yeah, all of those places. 
Well, yeah, this one Christmas. Have you, ever been to, have you ever been to Revolver, Gary? Uh, no, I've not been, but I know Friday to Monday gig, it just does not close. Yeah, it doesn't close. It blackout close, and they put incense candles on all the time. So, like, you just don't know what time it is. And you it come is. out there, it's 8 a.m., and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. And you don't, you actually, as you said, you don't have to come out of there. You can stay in there for as long as you want. But it's a, it's a bit different now because they make sure to break to break break it up for an hour or two. They'll kick people out and then they'll. And they were yeah, yeah, yeah. The things have changed now, as an hour, an hour break. Yeah, exactly. Just the fucking, yeah, freshen it up, then mop the floors, and then they open it again, and then all the same people go back in. But uh, yeah, so that that Christmas, uh, I had I had my my girlfriend at the time. Uh, she her family wanted her to live, uh, like it's part of it, you know. It's, it's not everyone. She 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 left sort of against our will and to go and do nursing and um so she was leaving and 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 that was breaking my heart but because she had six months left to live there so she was at home at the time for her family Um, and then my best mate left and then i was just on the sauce i was on the drink for the you know that whole christmas you know the gap in between christmas for like fucking five days or something and I was fighting with a guy as well during that time. And so my girlfriend at the time was at home. She was in Dubai with her family. Um, and I was chatting to her and she's in great spirits. My best friend at the time, he left. He moved to Perth. And well, still my best friend, but he moved to Perth. And then I was chatting to all my family in, in Ireland. And um, yeah, I was everybody was great. And I, all the parties... I was having were in my house so that trail of destruction was still there you know so you're not only waking up with a hangover the fucking cigarette butts the bottles the cans the fucking stains the smell all of that stuff was still there so I felt like I was in locked in this vortex and then when I was ringing people at home they were having a great time and everyone else having a great time everywhere I went um all of my friends, you know, January to January blues. Um, people were like, oh, come on, we go to the cinema. And it's like, oh, I don't have the money for the cinema. All right, come on, we go to the beach. Oh, it's too hot. Um, and, you know, all of this. And I just felt like my, I, I, I didn't have, for, for my brain, that had never experienced this type of uh, depression. Because that's what I felt like. I was locked in this vortex of uh, negativity. Um, and then when I spoke to anyone at home, or, you know, like my partner at the time, she's putting on a brave face. Uh, she was having a lovely time as well because she's on holidays. And, and then I was my family as well. They're the same. Oh, it's great. And then I just like, I was just, you know, I hung up the phone. Uh, I think it was my, my ma. And uh, I was just like, like, Jesus, everyone was doing great, you know. They they wouldn't even miss me if I was gone. And, and, and instantly I was like, wow, where the fuck? Like, what? You know what I mean? It's like, what? Where did that come from? And then, like, the snowball effect from that moment was like, yeah, like, this this was real for me now. This Like, what's going on in my head? Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't understand it. 
Um, and I got to be with that for fucking nearly a couple of weeks anyways. That was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a massive, massive spoil from that moment there. And I reached out, I reached out a friend, ironically, that I met in, um, yeah, I went through all of those emotions and I, I never thought I was, like, I never thought I would take my life. Mm. Um, but I could never be certain of that either because uh, you just don't fucking know when, when your mind goes into that spiral. Um, but it was dark and then it got more prevalent and got more, I got stronger. Um, and then it got worse because whenever I was speaking to people, I was playing along with, with what, like how good life was for them or, you know, everything was good and everything was great. And, and, and that made it worse because as I was speaking and telling how I was, I, like I was obviously lying and your ego and yourself, no matter what you say out here, uh, your heart is always hearing what you're saying or, or, or your mind, your ego is always hearing. So my body knew I was telling lies. So that was disconnecting me more from myself and my heart. Um, and, and it was like each time I hung up the phone then, it was like it was killing me more inside. Um, the light, knowing what I was talking about was lies uh, and then feeling lost and, and, and alone when, um, yeah, when I hung up the phone. So, so yeah, there was a guy, a friend of mine I met in, in, in Thailand a few years, two years previously, Robbie, he lived in uh, Canada. Um, and at the time, and I bumped into him and, and me and Warren were there and he was like, I'm going to be a millionaire by the age of 30. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I've mean, been, I heard of it, like the law of attraction. And I was like, what? He's on that frog sweat. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, no, no, I'm telling you now, like, we're down the pub. I hadn't met him in years, like I bumped into him in um, the Ark Bar in, in Oikinui, um, just ran, completely random, and we were chatting, I was like, Bobby, and it's funny because his his ma and my ma were friends from Finglas, like they grew up together like decades ago, and I only met Robbie uh, when I was doing my plumbing apprenticeship. I was in college and uh, in the class we were chatting. It's like, oh, I've got cousins in this area. And he was like, I was like, no way. And I, he, then he's, he described my two brothers. I was like, what the fuck? He's like, and then he, he said my ma's name. I was like, what the fuck? Anyways, this was like 10 years later. And I bumped into him randomly in Kosamui and he told me he was going to be a millionaire and we were taking the piss. And you're fucking nuts. He's like, I'm telling you now. And then he, he, he got the book. He got it from his room, The Secret. And, and he brought it around to me and we had a laugh. And two years later, to this, to, to the, almost to the day, because it was the Christmas period um, when we were in Thailand, uh, I rang him up and I was like, what, what was that book? Like, thank fuck that I remembered. And I said, what was the name of that book you told me about? And he, he told me and... I told him what was going on for me. He started the first person I, I told. Um, that was a relief in itself. And then I went, I couldn't find the book anywhere. Eventually I got it from, um, yeah, I went through libraries and bookshops and eventually so, I got a hold of it and I read it. At that point, so just to check in, so you're 
Were you you were you plumbing at that stage, and you were saying it was too? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was actually working with a, a stone, a lot stone concrete. We were, I was working with a concrete company. We were making, uh, you know, uh, road dividers, bollards. Yeah. Uh, you ever see when they're driving along the freeway? You're making bridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, those bollards on the roads. Um. Oh, don't mention, you know, don't mention bridges. That <laughs> 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 no, last. Always got a fear of bridges. No, I have a, I, it's not a fear. It's like there weren't too many. I've crossed too many. No, I have this. I had a weird sometimes when I was in a real bad state, like hungover, or if I'd been on a big session and I was crossing a big open bridge, I'd get a bit like freaked out. Um, which yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a scary thing. So bridges is like my Achilles heel, if you will. Um, I went over Brooklyn Bridge before, and I had to literally, I had to jog across it. I couldn't stay static. That was the thing with Sue. I was like, I just thought I was going to fall off it, even though I was, there was no way I could have fallen off it. And Never been I, a man in his life. She <laughs> 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 got drawn against man. You pull up a hamstring or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, would have to, he would have to make up an excuse to pull his hamstring, mate. That will happen naturally. Yeah, that, I, I, my hamstring is actually toast uh, right now. As we actually, uh, yeah, yeah. But because you mentioned two years there, so did you when you had that dark time? Was that sitting with you for two years? Was it before you spoke to that guy? No, no. So it was two years after. Uh, Two years after the, the the whole Christmas period incident, um, you know that 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 spoil of depression, mm. um, that what happened was... within within a, like a, a two three week period. But right. it, it started from that Christmas week. Gotcha. And what was that like? You know, that must have been scary. Like when you're in that mode. Like, did you have like a good network around you here, or did you seek professional help, or did you just go down that path yourself, or? Uh, I went, I like I like I said, I had a network, but I didn't know what to say to people, you know. Um I, so I was going with this brave face. Ooh, sorry. I feel like I made the sneeze. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't opening up. Um and then once I spoke to Rob, um I opened up from then. Um but yeah, from there, like inside of that, and it's obviously it's happened and you have to still have these thoughts today. Like suicide is something that crosses my awareness loads hmm. um, through support of, of, of some of the people I work with, colleagues and coaches and mentors. Yeah, I was like, because I go in and I'll speak about, I'm, I'm, I'm open about whatever comes through my mind now because it's it's important that I don't keep these things. And uh, they help, help remind me that um some of the some, some of what comes up in your awareness that doesn't always belong to you um it can be from somebody else and, and people hook into your energy as well like like a lot of people random people and um, we would meet would, would randomly open up to me i'd never have met them before Um, this was before i do the work that i do today and and this is even before they even know what i do for work today just random people they like uh, in a nightclub or in, in a pub or the girls, men, and um, they'd come over and just like spill the heart out to me and then go, I actually don't even know why I'm telling you this, but I, I just got this massive hit to, to, to talk to you or whatever. So, so yeah, when, when, when some of the damn thoughts crossed my mind, um, 
uh, I, I've learned to transmute them and, and allow them to flow through me uh, in the understanding that they don't belong to me and whoever they may have belonged to needed me to, uh, to release them from their awareness and their system. Cool. And then you you made the you made the the big change, I suppose, in your life, which was like you quit your day job, and then maybe you might tell us like you started the Conscious King coaching. So maybe about that transition and the work maybe that you're doing now. Yeah, well, just to also bring it back to that. So I'll bring it back to the secret real quick, and um, from everything I was telling you at the start of the the the, the chat, um. When I read The Secret, uh, it was like all of these realizations of, you know, oh, remember that time when you were like, you booked this trip to Vegas and you had no money? Uh, you were working and, in, in, you know, like I was determined. So I got to see my mindset. I got to see where I had been living according to this book, both from a law of some point of view, uh, setting goals. Um, getting those goals at all costs, you know, working, finding a way out, no way, all of those things. So as, like, I literally I read that book in two days. So I got, I, I stayed up, I, I read it throughout the night, first thing in the morning. Um, and the more I read it, the more I, I, I landed back into myself. And I also got to see how I was already doing these things previously although I didn't know I was doing them. Like, I wasn't aware of what I was actually doing. I was just doing it. Um, so from then, I carried on with, like, those type of books and documentaries, like Eckhart Tolle, um, like, uh, whoever some of the authors were around the born of, of that particular. Um, I've read The Secret. Uh, have you have you guys yeah, read The Secret? Yeah, so, so it's a culmination of people for uh, philosophers from the past and from the present um, and I, I just generally started to find seek out some of those people um, and, and, and go and learn whatever I could about them um, and their work and and then yeah to fast forward a, a couple more years and uh, I went to the first workshop I was ever at with Saoirse uh, a personal development workshop and I was just laughing about this yesterday with my mentor. Um, we done a workshop. It was a, a manifestation. Oh, we done a, an, an exercise, a manifestation exercise. And in that exercise, it was a, what do you want to be, do, and have? Yeah, you would see. I put a post on my social media a couple of weeks ago because I just found it in the draw. Uh, what do you want to be, do, and have? Uh, five years from now, 10 years from now. Um, and one of the things was to help people, to support people. Um, uh, at that time, I was a plumber. Um, and I didn't know, like I said, uh, and also on that was uh, my idea of helping people at that time was I was going to be able to set up a plumbing company. And I was going like, to uh, look after the houses and all of those things. Um, and then I went to a workshop another workshop like that was fully uh, experiential with my my mentors today that was four years ago um my mentors today preston and alexi they are in the united states and that blew me wide open 
the the tools. I, I stood up there with a lot of people that I never met in my whole life um cried my my eyes out. But what they uncovered something that I my childhood trauma was abandonment. But until I went to that workshop, I never knew I carried any trauma. I never knew who I was as a person. I never knew um that unconsciously there was a pro there was a hard drive running my life. I I, I never knew any of that. I, I like so for for them for how that uh, workshop you know unfolded like all of these things started to happen with my heart with my emotions and um, with my triggers my awareness and fears and and after that workshop it was like like straight away it was like man if if this unlocked something like not some not something many things that I didn't even know were inside of me. Um, and and I, I watched the transformation of like, there were, I think it was 80 people. I think it was 80, 87 or 89 people in, in that workshop. It was a weekend workshop over three days. And to witness the transformation that everybody went through during that process, um, I now had these tools and I felt not 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 only a moral duty, but I I've I always knew I wanted to support people. I never knew how I was going to do it. Um, and that was the light bulb moment for me. From that moment I knew that this was uh I, I found my calling. My calling found me. I found my purpose. I now have tools to help uh, people navigate their trauma, their stories, help them get on the other side of um, you know, alcohol, drug abuse suicide attempts, sexual abuse, uh, uh, like, uh, like the, the worst of the worst, like we call it the worst. Um, but also, uh, if I didn't go through the traumas I, I went through in my life, it's like, well, where, where's the, the lessons in there? Well, what's the blessings? So there's two ways you can look at those things. Um, have they gotten you to this point in your life? Or, or are you going to continue to be a victim to whatever that situation was and, and allow it to control the rest of your life, which could be 20, 30, 50 fucking years. Um, so that was the moment I decided that um, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, and I, I, I wrote that as my goals. Um, I set myself a three-year plan. Um, on the I was I, I remained doing the videos. I remained posting content, but I was still uh, this scared little boy that I was afraid. And um, because of the area I grew up in, like there's a lot of hard people there, gangsters people call them. Um, and I wasn't exactly an angel growing up myself. Uh, I was afraid. Like I was doing all of this personal development work. Once like once it popped, I was like. Still today, it's, it blows me away. Still, I learn about myself every day. But I feared speaking about love, the universe, abundance, and all of those things because my family would disown me. Or, or you know, all my friends would call me a, a faggot and all of those things. And 
Um, yeah, that was a massive hurdle for me was to to turn my my Facebook, you know, to make it public, to make my Instagram public, and then to allow people that I grew up with to hear me speak about what I speak about today. Um, that was that was probably my biggest fear of all. Um, what would people think of me after all the shit I've done over the years? Here I am talking about love and and acceptance and, and being your authentic self. And yeah, I was just like, right, eventually the penny dropped, man. This is not about you, Dara. Uh, this is not about you. Well, like, what's your why? Um, and my why is uh, for men in particular that choose death over a, a conversation or um, crossing that bridge that I fortunately crossed uh, the, the bridge of fear and just saying, fuck it. Whatever people think is their business. It's not about me. This wisdom and these tools are not mine to keep. Um, the world deserves to, to, to feel this, to see them, to have them. So other men don't have to struggle and go through what I went through um, and, and, and take it that far. And in some cases, to the point of no return. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's relevant that point, the comments you made about the social media stuff and putting yourself out there. It's obviously very relevant to today's world. There's so many people, mates of mine, and people I know through passing who have got a shit ton of value to give people, or just interesting stuff that I would like to see in education or fun, even if it's simple things like how to cook or start a business and get themselves out of their own little world to start something new, but they're petrified to do it on really social media is a massive platform and you're going to really struggle without it and it's like oh you hate your job do smart a wee side business oh how can i do that and you give them getting like oh it sounds brilliant but ah oh, but i don't want to record myself i don't want to do that it's not because they, they can't speak about what they speak about they're just so petrified of somebody saying to you what you're doing but really yeah. 95 99 of the business they would get wouldn't come from those people 99.9% of the business would come from those people. And it's only a small group of, like, that's the 7 billion people. That's 23 people you're talking about who are going to judge you. Fuck them. You know what I mean? Fuck them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. And that's exactly it. It's, it's, uh, what's what's my, my quote is, like, uh, it's also, like, our, our, like, it's this the simple truth. Our family and friends, like, are the biggest killers of our dreams on the planet. Nobody else. Like, and they're not doing it on purpose either. This is what we say in psychology. 95% of our day, we are operating on autopilot. It's only the other 5% of our day that we choose to do whatever we're doing. And so, so when you tell your friend or your family you're going to do X, Y, and Z, they're like projecting their fears of why they can't do the thing. They're not yeah. saying, well, you can't do it. So when they say, oh, I wouldn't do that because of blah, blah, blah. But that, that's only their perception of the fear that they would go through if they were to do what you say. Yeah. Do. Mm-hmm. So that's the most important step is that learning to put uh, boundaries in place. Boundaries are a fucking key uh, to everything. And then it's also a, a factor of like, so what if, whatever people think about you because at the end of the day it's not it's not um it's none of your business what anybody else thinks of you um and and, and that's the, the 
biggest fear or, or the biggest uh, the biggest killer of, of many dreams and that's people fear what other people think of them and the fear of failure in that so they don't want to go back to their friends or their family and say oh i've done this and I, it didn't work out you know because yeah. they fear what the, the abuse may be or the sniggering or what they may be saying mm. and all of those things so i mean for anybody it's just just go and do the thing yeah um, and it, it like yeah yeah, because one thing, yeah, I I saw a great clip on social media. <laughs> um, the true educator. Um, the, there's a comedian in the US, Steve. I think his name is Steve Harvey. Um, he's yeah, absolute, black guy. Yeah, he's, he's a legend. He's absolute legend. legend. He's hilarious. He does that game show. Um, Fa- um, no family fortunes. Uh, yeah, um, it is family fortune, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and like he's American, Les Dennis. Yeah, he's been on, a, like, there's been numerous memes of, like, <laughs> his reaction to, like, what people say. He's just, like, absolute hero. But he was in a serious interview that I saw on social media, and he said, because he was the same thing, he came from, like, poverty in the U.S., and he was saying, if you ever want your dream or a brilliant idea to be squashed, tell someone um, who's not, or say it to someone who has a narrow mindset, and they'll destroy it for you right there in that moment, is what he said. So he was talking about, I think, screening things as well. Like, cause like I'm like, you know, my brain is like, you need to get advice from people. You need to soundboard things off people. You need to ask people things. And if someone tells you one thing, you're like, shit, maybe it's not right. And then, you know, it goes away or you build up that fear. So I think what he was trying to say is like, listening to people or getting advice is, is okay in some circumstances, but you also need to be able to screen that stuff out because you're the one that sees the thing, the idea, whatever that is. And that's what makes you different. No one's ever going to see it or understand it as much as you do. And um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty powerful thing. And then we actually were working with this guy called Dan Brophy with Nimbus around he's a bit of a relationship guru. And he does this hashtag shirtless guy giving dating advice in a van. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to write that one down. It's a bit long. But he pretty much says the same thing. That's why when you were saying this, Dar, I was like, I was like, ding, ding, ding in my head because he talks about dating world, right? And how one of the things he spoke about was like ghosting and like people ghost you, you know, you go on a couple of dates, you maybe hook up, things are going great. Then they just don't reply to it. And then you start thinking there's something wrong with me. What did I do wrong? Was I bad? Was my breath smelly that day? Or did I not dress well? Blah, blah. And he was like, you need to take yourself back and realize what they're doing is projecting their own shit, their own trauma on you. Um, and do not take that as a personal thing towards you. But often most people don't, because I'm the same. You get rejected. You think, what, what did I do wrong? Blah, blah. But they're probably, and he finishes the note saying, they're probably going around town doing that to every single other person out there, causing all this destruction with people who actually just have good intentions. So his thing was like, you are good. You are enough. You're, you know, you'll find the right person. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like literally the jackpot. Um... For, for everyone, like, uh, nobody can, nobody, and that's, that's also, like, a huge uh, plus for everyone, is we are all unique. We've, we've all got our own lens and our, and our own perception. And for me, my idea is to be a better version of who I was, yeah? be a better version of myself tomorrow than I, than I am today, and, and that is all. And, and the only way to... Um, figure those things out is putting my work out there and then I see what I like and what I didn't like you know 
yes, it's great to have the sounding boards and, and all of those, as long as you bring it back to what it is that you like and what, what your why is. And, and there's also, to bring it to your point, um, there's a book called The Four Agreements. Um, have you read it? No, I've not read that. Can I jump in there? Because I have not read this, right? And this was not planned, but I actually have a story. Daya, you probably won't remember this. I was down at the beach in Bondi one day and there was a guy sitting there with a book open beside him. He got up off the beach and left and he left the book. And I was there going, you might start remembering this, Daya. And then I was like, fuck, I think that guy's after missing his book. And then, you know, that moment where you're like, ah, I can't be arsed. Like, I, I have to get up. It's going to be awkward. Uh, but then for a moment, I was like, Ugh. I was like, fuck it. So grabbed the book, ran after this bloke. I was like, mate, you have to leave in your book. And he said, oh, no, that's not. Gotcha. Yeah, I caught him. Yeah. Unlikely, mate. Unlike you. <laughs> Even with my dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> Is he a defender or something? He was, a, <laughs> uh, he was an 80-year-old man, so I caught up to him eventually. <laughs> But I caught him, he did, it wasn't his book. And then I just stood there going, shit, what do I do now? I'm, you know, standing up on the road with a book. And Dara was literally like within earshot and he was like, all right, sorry. And I turned around and I was like, all right, what's the crap? And I went over and I spoke to him and Saoirse, his wife. And he's like, what are you doing with that book? And I was like, I was like, oh, this is the weirdest thing. I just picked it up. Like I was trying to explain it. And he goes, what is it? And I went like this. I was like, I don't know. And it was that book, the four... Elements. Four agreements. Four agreements. Sorry, yeah. And you were like, "Mate, that book changed my life." And I was like, yeah. "What?" And then I just see as I opened it, there was like this little, like a postcard or like a Polaroid photo of this like youngish couple, and it was a there was a beautiful love note, which was like, you know, I love you so much, like, you know, enjoy the read or something like that. And I was like, "Wow, this is like, <laughs> this is like a bit mind blown." And then anyway, I went. I literally took the book, went off the beach, bumped into somebody else. I had the book like that. And someone's like, what are you reading? <laughs> and then <laughs> literally they said the same thing. He goes, oh my God, you have to read that book. I told them the weird story. He's like, I read that book. It changed my life. You haven't read like, it, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, it's on a bookshelf. I will, I will. Okay, that's my, that's my homework. But then to bring it back down to earth, I went into a news agent in North Bondi and I went in and it was a really hot day and I took up like a, a cold can i was trying to look for the sugar can trying to be like you know non-sugar and then the the news agent's owner just started attacking me like she was like are you gonna buy it or you're not gonna buy it you're fucking da -da -da -da. and then she's like going you and your big eyes get out of here you fucking tourists. you and your big eyes yeah. <laughs> and i <laughs> like just to give you a bit of a context this this all happened in the space of i'm not joking five minutes so I had that real serendipitous thing. Two people told me the book changed. Like, then I went into a news agent and got racially attacked by a news agent and told to go back home. I was like, <laughs> You and your big eyes, that's funny. Yeah, that's what she said to me. And I was like, what the fuck? And then during, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go then. And she was like, yeah, fuck off out here, you tourist. Like, I, was like, I was like, I live here. Like, like, And then, not that I would ever hold a grudge, but... I think that news agent is now gone. I don't think it survived COVID. So I was like, Ew, get up. <laughs> so there you go. You're um, on mute, Dara. You're on mute. Oh, you're still on mute, yeah. 
Yeah, you mean? Nimbus, Nimbus coming at you, old motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How crazy is that story, though? Like, forgot about that yeah, one. Yeah, it's in, it's insane. Uh, there's one of one of the um, one of the four agreements is it's not always about you. I've got, I've got, I've got, is this the same one I've got? I've got be impeccable with your word, don't take it personally, don't make assumptions, always do your best. That's it. Don't take anything personally and don't don't make assumptions. That's it, yeah. Hmm. That's exactly it. There's a good little, um, a good little one. If you just type it in Google Images, if anyone's listening, you get a nice little one Instagram post sort of thing of the four agreements with some bullet points, which sort of sums mm. it up. Because it's not that, it's yeah. not that long a book, is it? It's not, no, it's like, I think it's, two, it's oh, maybe 200 pages. Yeah. It's not that long at all. Yeah. Um, and then we, we also with, uh, what, speak, bringing it back to books, what I, what I do as well is uh, if, I, if I listen to something on Audible, then I go and I buy the book, the hardback, and yeah. I read it, and then highlight my notes um, in the book. So then you're getting, you know, you're getting both, and then you still have it like it's on your shelf. It's not just in your mm. phone. And have you ever used that uh, app, Blinkist? No, what's that? Well, Blinkist is basically I do something similar that you just said, but I do it with Blinkist. So Blinkist is you get ten minutes of of audio, but it's like the best bits of it, the most important parts of the book. So you can either read it like a Kindle, or you can listen. So say, for instance, you said to me the four agreements, I would jump on Blinkist listen to Blinkist, and if I thought, you know what, actually, that's good, that's a book I'd like to get in hardback, I'd then buy the book and dive deeper. Whereas there's some books, I'll go a wee 10-minute walk, and I'm like, that was decent, but I think, if I bought that, it's pretty much already summed up in those 10 minutes. Like some books just the yeah, same yeah. There's some I read and go, you know what, actually, I want to know more about that, and I'll, then I'll buy it, then I'll highlight it, and I'll go deeper, but it's a good app. It's only like $4 a month or something like that. Yeah, yeah, sounds really good. You can highlight notes inside Blinkist, yeah. it saves them so it's good. Oh, it's just there. Uh, it's B L I N K E S T. Is that right? I S T. Blank est. Oh, yeah. And have you, Dara, have you got any tips? Like, obviously, you had that moment which catapulted your life, you know, but for many out there, they're afraid to. Well, sometimes that thing just comes into your life, right? You're kind of almost unaware of it, it, that moment. But for anyone out there that's listening that maybe has that side hustle is a bit fearful or like, have you got any tips about how they can, I know that's probably like a million dollar question, but any suggestions or thoughts of like how people can maybe, you know, arrive at that point if they're not feeling good right now? Uh, Jack, with, with the side hustle, it basically, um, my mentor question is one of his favorite uh, analogies is how, how, how tree how tall the tree grows is dependent on the soil that it's planted in. The analogy soil of that, how tall the tree grows is dependent on, on the soil that it's planted in. So go and surround yourself with the people who are already doing what it is that you want to do, whatever your idea is. And it doesn't mean to surround yourself with 50 people. If you find one person that is doing it and also successful at doing what you're doing, if they have a course, if they have a program, and um, there's no shortcuts, uh, it, it takes work. Mm. But if you go and find a mentor that's that's already doing it, you've just went and cut your path in half. 
So what would have taken them 10 years? Look, I had this conversation yesterday with one of my mentors. Yeah, I've got a few. Blaze. Um, it, what's taken him four years to do, I've now hired him as my coach and my business coach. Um, it's going to take me like a fraction of that. So, and the same with Preston. What took Preston 10, 11 years, um, I'm already ahead of him. I stayed like, I'm two years in now. I'm ahead of where he was at at two years. Hmm. So I'm, I'm around four years of where he was at, you know. Oh, I'm at the stage of where he was at in four years, in, in his first four years of being an entrepreneur and doing the work and the coaching that we do. Um, so, yeah, for, for anybody, be, because those are the people that will build you up, hmm. not the people... Like I've got a story, another one of my friends. So I went home, fucking, I was at home one year and I was in the pub, same again, the football. And they were chatting about uh, houses, uh, the property market and buying property and building property and all those things. And at the table, there was four blokes on the labor that were the most vocal about business and, and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship and what they would and wouldn't do. But they were on the social welfare, and I'm like, it's just like if 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 you want to with your dreams to die, you go and you, you stay in that circle, or if you want to expand your your dreams and actually make them become a reality and take action, you go and you find the people who are already doing what you do, um, and you 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 ask them for their blueprint, uh, because it's it's also it's also not only because there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of rejection in 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 all all sorts of entrepreneurship, both both uh, within yourself, like you want to pack up bleeding every second week, um, or or when things go good, they go good, and then they, uh, yeah, it's like it's the roller coaster, and it's not until you learn about yourself throughout those experiences, yeah, that you're better equipped for what what what's to come. And a great analogy for that is. Um, you're not. You're never starting again from scratch. You're starting again from experience. Yeah. You're never starting again from scratch. You're starting again from experience. Mm. So what didn't work out this time, you know how to pivot next time. Yeah, and often like when you think of brands like you know Airbnb and people like that, with all the success stories, you often think, oh yeah, like they obviously just had an idea and it just went off. But most of those, there's a, another brilliant podcast called How I Built This, which is on IPR uh, or NPR, sorry, in the US. There's a guy, Raz is the host, and he talks about the entrepreneurial stories. And all of them, like some of them like say they, oh, we, I had over 200 investor meetings, got rejected like nearly by every single one of them. And it was just, we just landed on one who was like, you know what, I see the same vision you do. So yeah, that's another thing. Often we see the successful front facade and you don't realize that every single one of those people had some journey to go through to get there. So don't be put off uh, by that. You know? TV show, that Squid Games is obviously on Netflix at the moment. Everyone's going mad over. That guy wrote that, I think, 2008 or 2009 and he got rejected for, and all sorts of production companies didn't want to take it on. It's so bad, I think it was a story that he spent pretty much it's 700 bucks left and he sold, he sold his laptop to, to get his last 700 dollars which had all his scripts on it and he had to go and get them printed off or something like that and basically 10 years on it's now the number one 
show ever watched on Netflix in number one over 90 countries. Yeah. But then you just see that and oh, wow. the quality. But it's like, oh, 11 years ago, he wrote this and nobody wanted it. No one was have, interested. Have you ever heard the Sylvester Stallone story with Rocky? Do you know that one? Uh, when it went to fight at no. the end. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Rocky Six. I'm no, not a good film, No, his story is amazing. He's from, like, I think he's from Philadelphia and he was... Um, on he was on the breadline. He had no money, and he literally had a dog, and his dog was his like best friend or whatever. And he had to sell his dog so he could like basically get food because he's pretty much on the street. And his own story inspired him writing Rocky. You know the kind of rags to riches story, and he wrote the script, and then he brought it to a few places, and they were like, "You got rejected. You got rejected." But then one place said, "I'll we'll do it." And he said, he goes, I don't care about the money. I just want to be the actor in it. And they said, no, whatever. And he went away. But eventually it signed on and the rest is history, right? But when he went back to buy his, he went back to get his dog and the guy he bought his dog off for something like $200, he wouldn't give it to him. And he ended up spending something like, I think it was like a hundred grand, like getting the dog back off the bloke who wouldn't sell it back to him. I never knew that story. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Like, so he literally came from absolutely nothing and sold his dog to survive and then still went back and got his dog back later. Like, just absolute legend. Wow, that's beautiful, man. I, I, I never knew that story. Yeah. I never knew that about uh, Sylvester Stallone, but wow. I love, but I, I, love your, I love, I love your soil analogy because I like even the last few years I've noticed this as well. And like, this is not to cause any offense to anyone who I know, but. Like, I I had a trauma of like being liked by being liked by everyone and wanting to be like that was my story, right? Which people pleaser, yeah, yeah, people pleaser. I'm trying to change that, and then as you start going into like your own business and trying to like develop, and you leave Ireland behind, you start to realize you're changing into well, you're evolving into this like you know, as you were saying, like this better person. And what you find is, unfortunately, what's one of the things that you have to kind of snip off at the sides is people that you've been clinging on to for their life, for your whole life, just because they're your mates, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually scary because I read the seven habits of highly effective people, which they talk about this. And when you start noticing that you're letting go of those people, it's actually a sign of you becoming, you know, stronger human. But in the moment, it feels like you're either being a bad guy or you're isolating them or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in essence, it's actually you becoming a better person, you know? Becoming a better version of yourself. And I, I had, I had, I got, I had a big argument with one of my friends, one of my best friends, she's from Belfast down in Melbourne about this. Um, there's a documentary where I found, like, it's 11-11, as I say, this uh, bang <laughs> on. So my mentor, my mentor now, like, so Alexi, her husband is now one of my mentors and I work for her for the last year, year and a half, um, which is like an insane story. Uh, but there's this documentary, it's called The Abundance Factor. And it's, in short, it's about a guy who uh, wanted, had all of the dreams um, and his school school teacher and his family told him he, he wanted to travel the world uh, make a documentary and impact uh, let's say a million people's lives and you know the, the, the school 
teacher sort of laughed at him. He's in a small town. Um, and he he never went to do that, but he he had this uh, attempted suicide um, in his sleep, which is one of those, I don't know, it's one in five million things, illnesses. Um, and, and from that, he went and he made the documentary. Um, so from making that documentary, he, uh, he traveled the world because he went and that was his question. That was his main question. He traveled, he spoke to scientists, doctors, uh, entrepreneurs and all of those people. Uh, and there was the one question, what's the abundance, what does the abundance factor mean to you? And that was the, the basis for his documentary. Um, and I watched that over and over and over again. Um, and this, the, the one, there was two people, there was a guy in a wheelchair, um, how they answered what the abundance factor, and it's the beauty of it as well. Every single one had a different perception of what the abundance factor means to them. Mm. Um, and that's a, an analogy for everyone in the world. Nobody sees anything through the same lens. So, so trying to be like somebody else is robbing you of the person you are uh, today. And when I went back and I, I recognized I'm now in this goldfish bowl again, because I'd been in Ireland for, for like eight or nine months. And that was all new to me because I lived in Australia for five years at that stage or six years. Um, and she, she had a go at me. I was like, I don't want to go to uh, the pub, you know, the local. And this, I didn't want to be around that person. I didn't want to do that. Going back to the same house parties, telling the same jokes. The same few people going to the bottle shop, uh, you know, on the, on, the, on the Sunday morning or the Monday or whatever. I was like, man, I'm over this. Like, and, and then we had this massive argument. And she's like, you fucking think you're too good for everyone. And like, she went to me, you know, and I was like, no, not that I think I'm better than anyone. I'm not better than anyone. I just don't choose to live in that uh, the, the repetitive lifestyle anymore. So I was gradually like coming more towards this this like this profession and this career. But like I said, I didn't notice this was a, all a process. Mm. And once mm. once I went to that workshop, then that was like even even with everything I'd learned from the secret, reading Eckhart Tolle's books, uh, this this abundance factor, um, res resonating with Alexi. I didn't have Facebook or I had Facebook. I didn't have Instagram at the time, so I only found her stuff on YouTube. Her name is Alexi Panos. If anyone's looking for it, uh, Alexi A L E X I, and Panos is P A N O S. Um, fast forward a few years and I went down to Melbourne to go to a property investment seminar and my friend who I had, I, I literally shared this documentary with everybody um, and he said, oh, look, look who was in town. It was Alexi and Preston. Like the, I, I didn't even know she was married at this stage because I didn't have an Instagram. And from there, I, I went to that workshop. So I left that, uh, the property investment thing and I went to this workshop. And at the, this, this workshop, like I said, it's like divine timing. It's like the universe is like, right. Uh, I didn't even know she was in Australia until Mark said. And once I went to it, 
it, it cracked my heart so wide open that I knew that this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And um, yeah, and it was and from then there was a three year window. I set myself three years of to become financially stable that I didn't need to be chasing people for money. That I I would always be looked after whether I had clients or not. Um, and I lost my way midway through the you know the last year, and I sort of forgotten about that goal. And then Preston was back here in Australia, and I went to went to the workshop again. And the lads that I'd done the work with in in the first round, um, they were all now leading the workshop. So my coach now, I actually done this training with him in 2017, uh, but now he was like an established coach and, and left the construction industry and he was doing these workshops and I was like, just looking at them and I was, I was like, not comparing, but super aware that this is like, this is it now, this, this, this is it. Um, and, and then I found when my, as I was doing that, uh, as I was doing that workshop, I found my notes from three years previously. So it, it like exactly to the day I said, I'm gonna leave construction three years from now. And once I once I have all of this this side of life sorted, um, uh, and like I said, I'd I'd lost my way and I just found those notes and I was like, wow. Um, and, and that was it. That that was it. I was like, I asked Preston, I said, look at what what do you see as the next step for me? And he goes, uh, he said, look, you have the thing, because I'd sent loads of people to his workshops. And he's like, they don't give a fuck. They don't even know who I am. They're all after coming here because of you. They came here because of, because of you. They listened to you. You have that thing that everybody wants. Um, you just need to turn up your commitment. And, and that was it in that moment. It was like... And can you tell us about... Uh... <laughs> It was a mad echo. Uh, tell us about Conscious King. <laughs> I love that little intro. Yeah, tell, tell us about the work you do, like, um, and fast forward to, let's say, present day. Are you doing one-on-one -on -one coaching? Is it mostly guys? Like, uh, Yeah, initially, uh, initially I started out was basically from where I come from. The suicide statistics don't lie. Um, I believe it's four to one. It doubles around four to one, five to one. Any men or women, it's uh, it's a loss is too much. Um, and to, to see and witness the devastation that that leaves behind, um, yeah, I feel is it's devastation that doesn't need to be left. It's devastation that's avoidable, and it, it's devastation that we can overcome as a collective um, with simple tools, like so simple tools. So initially I started out with uh, only men doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, and then those containers usually run from between eight weeks to, to 14 weeks, depending on the client. And they could go for six months to 12 months. But the idea is that people come to their own uh, realization of exactly how powerful and uh, how much wisdom they've already got inside that, that they don't need, they never need me in the 
the first place. But when they come to that realization that they don't need anybody, um, that they can walk on their own two feet themselves throughout whatever life throws at them. So it started off with men, and, and then I had this woman, um, Rio, that I bumped into. She's a DJ. She's a really good DJ. She DJs all the festivals that I'd never met before, but I found her on Instagram somehow. And this one particular day, I was somewhere in the shopping centre, and I was convinced I'd seen her. I loved her, 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 loved her content and her, her songs and that, and I just checked out her profile, and this particular day, I was convinced I'd seen her, and I went to say hello, and it wasn't her. And then the next day, I was down in Gary National Park, and I was at the boat ramp, and um, like, it's an hour outside Sydney, it's an hour or 10 minutes into the National Park, no phone reception, none of that. We took the, the girls to go for lunch and um, yeah, we parked the car and fucking Rio, who I'd never met in my whole life, walked past. And I was like, is your name Rio? And she's like, what? And like, my heart went and I was like, like what? And then we had a conversation. I was like, oh, well, I've seen you. And she's like, I've seen you. And um. It wasn't until like throughout the next week she actually told me what went on for her in her body. She said her heart went, she, she nearly collapsed. She um she rang her family and it was obviously a divine time and the universe put us there. As I said, I'd never met this girl before in my life. Um and she she couldn't afford to do the program at the time. And then we but we always kept in contact. And then she um, she drew a picture that I seen in one of her uh, stories on Instagram, and uh, so she was an artist that she'd given up for for over a decade. And I was like, "What? You're an artist?" Because I've always wanted a uh, an art piece, like a, a commissioned art piece. And I was like, "Well, look at let's we came to an arrangement that she she made us some art for the house." And um, I coached her for three months, and she'd next she hadn't she'd stopped, like I said, through whatever situation she had been in. She gave up her creative side, and she went through whatever was going on in her life. And yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And from then, I, I started started to work with women as well. So, and um, we've been working with men and women now, um, for for a long time. And it's it's such a beautiful. Like it's the to witness to witness people come into their own uh, evolution and their power and their strength and, and get to the other side of whatever their stories are. Um, it's it's heartwarming. It's, well, Gary, do you want to? Because we we have a we had a bunch of questions around this, but we were we're already like pushing on the time. But we had things like. You know, childhood trauma seems like we were going to ask about that being a starting process for people to come, let's say, seek help for you. Um, but also like limiting beliefs that people have, like we had the remove, reset, recondition, redesign, reawaken. Um, so maybe we might even do what do you think, Gary? Just do a quick. Yeah, maybe because I mean, you've touched on the childhood trauma thing a little bit at the part. Mm -hmm. One, the next one was reset that you, you do mention on your website. That, uh, it's obviously one of the most important parts of the process. So, so what 
what makes that from the other five, the other five in total, be one of the most important? Yeah, so, so basically, to bring it back to, like I said, for the first seven years of our lives, we are programmed the most. Um, and it's a lot of the time people are operating from that, like I said at the start, from that hard drive of what they've been taught because their parents done it that way or the church done it that way or somebody else's belief system. Um, and a lot of the time people are living lives that they don't actually like because somebody else told them that that's the way things need to be done. Yeah. Um, so the reset is, is coming all the way back. And on, like, first of all, finding out where you've learned said situation or, or where you do things a certain way, and then consciously choosing, is that what you actually like for your life moving forward? Or do you want to uh, choose something new? Um, yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, so the so the reset is it's just uh, uncovering all of these uh, like this the childhood trauma, uh, these stories that we tell ourselves, the limiting belief of why we believe we can't do certain things because of an experience we experienced when we were fourteen, um, and a lot of the time we don't actually know that it's our body that rejects those things. So it's not until you bring it back to uh, where all of those beliefs came from that you can actually uh, reset a new slate of what you choose for yourself moving forward. So I've yeah, got a good, there's a good, there's a good analogy of that even in my life, Dara, with trauma. It's linked to trauma, but again, with the whole, as you were saying, you have to kind of go back there to kind of clean the slate. But that likability thing that I've struggled with I actually know the very first, this is like scary. I was about seven years of age. You were saying that first seven years of your life, I was in the schoolyard and one of my mates was handing out birthday invitations. And when it got to me, he ran out of them. And like, the name, he ran out. Did you have your hair blonde back then as well? <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm not getting in with that with that mop but that that's what happened to me and then like i he, that's what he said he goes oh sorry we ran out and then that was the first moment because i was got to this with my psychologist now i didn't know this at the time that i was carrying trauma that like like that's like foundational trauma in my life from that point on he said you would have started mechanisms to go well i don't want to ever be in that situation again so then do i need to be funnier People more popular yeah, and then it's yeah. just, you know, fast forward 30 years and the impacts that that can have on your life, your behavior, it's just like mind boggling. And, and, and that's a beautiful uh, uh, segue into this. Uh, because what happens is the, for, the more you go out there to uh, please people, to, to stay in this circle and be the popular one, um, the further you uh, come away from yourself. Mm. So... Yeah. You're, you're living this, like Jim Curley has a great, so he explains it greatly. You are now playing that character. Mm. You are not living your life. Yeah. Mm. So trying every day to play that character, how heavy is it to carry a, oh, a burden like that? It's absolutely exhausting. So, yeah, and then when you, so don't you play, when you don't play that character, sorry to jump in, people think something's wrong with you. People go, what's wrong with you? And you're like, 
I'm grand. It's like, oh, well, why aren't you being this? Like to them, it's like, why aren't you being that character? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and and that, like I said, that brings it back to the reset. Uh, are you um <clears throat> are you being a certain way because other people um perceive you as that way? You know, oh, here's here's uh here's Neil who was he's he's great crack. He's always the life and soul of the party because he's a lad. So you're now grown. Even uh, Robin Williams says he makes people laugh all the time because he doesn't want them to feel how lonely it is for him. Mm -hmm. But in reality, he was suffering for years playing this role for other people. So like bringing it back to your friends and their family, it's like you've got to, it, it, the elevate, elevation requires separation. So people that you need to put on this facade to be popular around a day of your um a day effective in your life or a day ineffective in your life. Mm. Always come back to that. Right. That's class, mate. Um again, just looking at we've got so much in the last 90 minutes. I don't want to um to keep for too long, mate. So one thing we do with um the end of each guest, we just ask some quick fire questions. I'll say three or four questions regarding mental health, just pop them off as you see fit. Um, so the first question we always ask is, uh, when are you at your happiest? When, I, <clears throat> when I'm in nature, or with, <clears throat> excuse me, in nature and with my, my family. It's, out, of t out of 10, where do you think the world is currently? And Saoirse, so my whole family, so Saoirse and the kids. And my ex-wife, and my other ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like in reality, Niger is uh, yeah, happiest in Niger. Uh, out of 10, where do you think the world is currently in terms of mental health awareness? A tricky one this one isn't it it's a really tricky one i tell you why for me because uh i'm i'm, I'm not i'd never if you know so i never go along with trends and um, the trends will tell you like it's a nine or a ten out of ten mm. but uh i also recognize trends to be not bullshit but but a lot of people pick them up because they're trendy in that, you know, like it's Mental Health Awareness Week or it's Mental Health Awareness Day, um, it becomes a 10 out of 10 then. Mm. But, well, what's that saying? You know what? 50% um, of all statistics are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I, I actually have a bit of it, not a problem with Are You Okay Day. I think like in many ways it's good and I get it. But anyone that's struggling with mental health, if you say, are you okay? They're not going to tell you. You have to go way beyond that to get to Yeah, deeper, out. deeper questions. Yeah. yeah. Deeper questions. So, look, at, if to bring it back to, yeah, so I know it's, I'd say a four. 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 Uh, yeah. Out of 10, where are you currently with your own mental health? Nine, nine, oh, nine, ten. Tremendous. What? Uh, if you could recommend just one thing for people to do each day to improve their mental health, what would it be? Go to nature, be in nature. Um, 
leave your phone in the car and just be in nature and watch, just watch nature unfold. Um, five minutes, 10 minutes, like, look at the f great analogy of a, a tree. Um, you look at the trees, how big they are, how strong they are, how deeply rooted they are, how many, uh, how, how, how many years they've been around and how many storms they've been through and all of those things, both the heat, the sun, the storms, and, and, and they're still standing. Um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in nature if you, if you just stand there and watch. Have you, have you, have you ever heard of the book, The Hidden Life of Trees? No, I, I've heard of it. I've never read it. Aye, it's... It is. Only, only a couple of weeks ago, that. too. What's that, mate? I only heard about it a couple of weeks ago, too. Uh, someone someone messaged, uh, mentioned it to me, um, and I was like, mate, I'm not reading a book about trees. There's absolutely no danger. He's like, mate, I think you like it. And I was like, mate, I cannot dedicate time to reading about trees. And he's like, honestly, it's really, really good. It's not just about trees. It's blah, blah. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a read. Aye, but mental. Yeah, this this episode is this is really weird. I'm, like you're at eleven eleven universe. There's been a few things already. I've this has been like freaking me out a bit. Um, <laughs> I I heard oh, well a year or so ago I was getting the eleven eleven, and then I read up on that because I was like, why do I keep getting this eleven eleven? Then I started getting my name, and apparently if you don't listen, the universe trying to tell you a sign. And I'm not really. Let me just like caveat that for anyone that's and going, ah, oh, yeah, but he's out there anyway. I'm not. I would be the biggest naysayer to this stuff. Then I start hearing my name. And then I was like, what the hell is going on? And it's basically if you're still not listening to the universe, it goes on to your name. And I started picking up Neil. And then there was a Neil at a coffee shop. And then um, my boss and work became a Neil. I was like, I've never met a Neil before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking of the trees, I was literally just reading something before, literally before this, which is there was a ground, uh, um, groundbreaking case where they're trying to um I'm breaking like that mate decently yeah, excuse the pun <laughs> um, but like yeah like around like protecting trees and things like that and even animals and giving animals like a um like a persona so to speak so like um they can't be you know killed let's say so it's and it's amazing how regenerative trees are even with their I, I watched the Dave Attenborough docos you know all his stuff is amazing and he did one on the forests, which is around trees. And they're just amazing. Like when one of them falls over and dies in a forest, there's actually a race on to get the space that that tree is left for the next tree. So obviously, like you don't see with the naked eye, but it's like a mad rush to try and see. Over time. Yeah, what tree can get in to do all that stuff. And then the role they play. And, and I also learned about mushrooms and how like mushrooms actually feed a forest. Like, because all the dead, when a dead tree dies, it goes into the ground, regenerates as a mushroom, which is then eaten and spread. And it keeps the, like I think he was saying, without mushrooms and trees, like. But, but, but fungi, there's a, a guy on uh, Paul Stamets, look him up. Um, he was on Joe Rogan podcast, Paul Stamets. Um, but to, to bring it back to the tree, about mushrooms and trees, uh, but. Trees hold all the wisdom of the earth. They've been here. The song, the birds, and um, you know the Aboriginals. That's how they communicate over over 
thousands of miles where before any technology they proved the board song and then uh, through the wind and, and how the trees react the same in the amazon like ayahuasca comes from all ayahuasca um, all of those type of plant medicines they all come from the trees um, and as i said they've been here for centuries mm. they've been here for centuries and, and, and it's like people are in such a rush these days and, and so disconnected from themselves and, and distracted with technology that they lose that simple awareness without trees we can't fucking breathe on this planet mm. Mm. does that mean there's a funny i remember reading it was a meme years ago and it was like imagine imagine the government decided that they're going to start putting wi-fi in trees and a lot. Imagine how many trees, like if you get a, you plant a tree, you'll get better, stronger Wi-Fi. The more trees you are, the better the Wi-Fi, the quicker internet. Like imagine how many people would start planting trees and how amazing the world would be. And it's like dot dot dot. Too bad it just gives us the oxygen that we breathe. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. I mean, exactly. Not no oxygen, no life. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I have trees in my arm. Look, remember I showed you that guy? The tip. That's from. I, 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 so you know, the funny thing about you earlier on there about like where you're from in in the city center and um I meant to always ask actually but did you live near Conor McGregor or was he a childhood mate or uh I know Conor like I met Conor for the first time just before I came here but, so I'm best his his friends um I became I became best friends with them and then yeah I became friends with Conor so children. But one yeah, of the things, that, a good, good you know, a good bit, yeah. Well, we'll get him on next week, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but we, what the funny thing, which I think Australians might not uh, appreciate, is like when you're from somewhere like Ireland or Scotland for you, Gary, or England, old, old, like uh, countries, cities, towns. Most people started off living, you know, in well, back home, Dublin, like in the city center, like the the commission housing is more in the city right like there's a lot of city stuff it's different a bit now and there's like it's branched out but mm. whereas like over in places like america or australia the cities are actually more the you know urban like the, the, oh, the commercialized fancy yeah fancy, yeah fancy flats like I, I explained to sue like i go into dublin grafton street which is basically like pitt street like the biggest that's like right that's on yeah. on like born on Grafton Street is where. Yeah, so like this where it has all the you know Chanel, all the top shops, whatever. You go there to do your Christmas shopping. You could literally walk one street off Grafton Street, and if you had shopping bags with you, you'd you'd have a good chance of getting mugged, uh, you know, beaten up. I had friends in the Haypenny near the Haypenny Bridge in the little laneway there in Temple Bar. Temple Bar is the biggest tourist area in Dublin, and they got held by syringes because they bought. Uh, new trainers like over Christmas and there was literally people walking by them like there was a crowded space but no one like you wouldn't get in you wouldn't go near a kind of an addict like you know who was trying to stab you with a syringe and like that's what used to go on back in Dublin like and that's why Australia is so safe like you don't get any of that over here like you know you don't yeah yeah it's uh, yeah it's interesting it's a different it's interesting yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, when my mom was here, you know, the flats here are huge. And she's like, Where, where's all the kids? Like, why isn't no one hanging around? <laughs> I actually don't know the answers to those questions. 
yeah. Was asking I mean, that's a page. Yeah, yeah, we went to we bought fireworks with my mom in the city center one time over the north. I used to sell them. It was probably this is probably this is probably you. We bought bangers and fireworks, which are illegal in Ireland. And then your mom's like, real sound. I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. That like, da, da, da. he went off. He just never, never came back. Oh, you didn't get no, we actually had the fireworks. My job was there. Uh, I was literally, if somebody set a lawyer to me, I probably would have blown up O'Connell Street. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I used to go into the into the amusement, you know, with like a Patagonia jacket, and I'd have all fucking like eleven or twelve, but have all the pockets with like loads of fireworks, and they used to give me money, you know, my family, and uh, I was just hang around there all day in barnies playing pool and playing the machines and. Because they come in and take more fireworks and go back out onto the street, you know, in case the police came, oh, yeah. uh, they wouldn't have anything on them. But yeah. I'd be, I'd be hiding in barns playing the machines uh, all day. <laughs> oh, stuff the lights! Yeah. I mean, there's no well, crack. I, I was going to say, that, but there is no crack when you do go home, like, and you meet your old mates, like within just like it, the crack is just unreal. That will never change. Mental, yeah. Pick up where you left off. The good, the good but thing about also, Ireland, sorry, you know, if you go to Ireland, if you order a Chinese, you get you get you get six chicken balls. <laughs> you get four. in Sydney. You know, I'm saying we got a full order. I'm little yeah. girl, you're eating my chicken balls in the uh, street. I'm, I'm I'm hungry right now. I'm starving. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, so, uh, what, what, uh, talk about obviously conscious king. That's your business. That's how you help people. And, um, where yeah. can people join Conscious King? How do they reach out? How do they get part uh, of it? They can find me on Instagram at uh, Dara Born, Dara Born. I had to do a little bit because my name was already taken. Uh, and Dara Born on, um, on Facebook. But if you type in Conscious King Coaching, you'll find it. I've just set up my YouTube channel. Um, so I'm going to start posting on there as well. So that's Conscious King Coaching or Dara Born. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that's that's it, really. Facebook. Two, two quick things. Uh, two quick things for me. Just thinking of your name there, you're saying someone robbed your name. Uh, another funny story. Uh, Puff Daddy uh, in the US, when he changed he his name. Your name did he? <laughs> <laughs> he? He did rob your haircut. That's what I used to be called back in you know, the discos. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he, he was he was called Puff Daddy. Obviously. <laughs> then he changed his name to P Diddy, and he was P Diddy for a few years or whatever. And then I think he had a Twitter handle, and when he went back, I think he's now back. I don't, yeah, I think he went back to Puff Daddy. I don't know why, but some guy in the meantime had taken over his Twitter account, like the Puff Daddy. So then there's this P Diddy, like you can actually Google it. Like it became a bit of a like tweeting war, and he was like, "Give me back my name!" Like he's like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> shit. He goes, "But oh, I'm the real." It, you know, I, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, "I'm the real Puff Daddy." So what? <laughs> A little tip, if you're starting up a business, I know it might seem like a silly thing at the beginning, but like just get all that stuff sorted because if you do do well down the track, like you will need it. Um, and also one other small thing is I just want to say thanks to you is if anyone's wondering about more about Dara, like my advice, if you want to like um, hear more from him and like maybe um, before you start his coaching or program, listen to your stories. I just think like that was the one thing for me like outside of me knowing you, like looking at you from a professional point of view, where I was like, fuck, this guy is doing something really, really good. 
mainly because like you were just talking about real things like trauma um you know uh imposter syndrome or like all these different things that maybe don't get spoken about uh, unless you go to professional help they're not being spoken in the mo- in the common you know workplaces or on the streets let's say so i i just would encourage anybody listen to Dara's stories like they're you know a few minutes long it's it definitely inspired me and gave me a lot of solace in my own story to go do you know what i could resonate with that and you kind of just destigmatize a lot of the thought processes that i was having in my own head and just putting it out there and when you put it out there then straight away you're kind of taking away some of its power in that sense mm, mm. So that, that would be, that's my little recommendation to listeners and, and i just yeah so thank thank you for that um neil and also to bring it back to like when 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 i gave the mental health uh a four out of ten in the world um the reason I gave it that that that's from the establishment point of view, but from people like me uh, and the many people I see that, that, that moving into this role, um, there's way more people uh, normalizing these conversations today than ever, uh, than ever in the history of from what I remember. Mm. Um, so so. So from, from people like us that have decided that, look at the, the establishment is not going to save us, and have taken it upon ourselves to normalize these conversations. Um, I'd, I'd say we're up around an eight or nine, mm. uh, an eight or a nine, because there's always worse of you. Mm. Um, but yeah, from, a, from an establishment point, um, the governments are not looking after this, 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 this conversation. Um, it's the people on the ground and we, we've actually heard that thank you for reminding me of that yeah we, we've heard that in the show already Dara like uh, Nick who was the CEO he is the CEO of a mental health charity their funding had been cut during COVID when in reality it should have been increased you know because more it's people like yeah the New South Wales it's fucked up they care about your health look we're going to lock you up because yeah. we want to save everybody we really care about everybody's health, but we're going to lock you up with no mental health services. And oh, there's a company over here that offers them. We're going to cut your funding. Yeah. Like, yeah. Does that good. make any fucking sense? No. And New South Wales Health, the health Board, the government, because I, I was looking at this recently, did a, a research piece in 2020 when the first lockdown came. And I think it's almost 50% of Australians were saying that their mental health had decreased as a result of COVID. So the numbers that we were all, that like even I myself have quoted for years, the one and four for you, like it just that, spiked. that spiked yeah, in the last 12 months. And rather than give it more resources to fix it, they do the opposite. So when someone, like when you give that four, to me, I kind of, I think it's almost good that we get some low scores. Like it's, it's varied per person, but I think you're right. There is like a lot of stuff to happen. And um, yeah, and I know even be the show because since Gary and I started this, we're still getting people like, "Oh, good on you! I didn't know about that." Or, da, 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 da. I, I've been still surprised by people who think, "God, you're you're great just talking about." It. I'm like, we shouldn't be great about like like yeah, you know what I mean? So I, I, exactly, and it just uh, also it's a great highlight of uh, how how far we we get to go, like um, because people don't actually. Like, I'm always reminded of this. For me, it's normal now because I'm surrounded. Look, at, back to the, the soil analogy. 
um, it's about, about the people you surround yourself with. I'm surrounded by these conversations. Um, but when I go to somewhere else and I, I think sometimes I get ahead of myself and think that everybody is on the same page and it's, uh, it's nice to, to, you know, bring some humility to that. And, and um, that's why part, like, part of how I deliver my message is to simplify it in the most simplistic terms possible. Because I know it, it takes me uh, six and seven times of reading something before it lands or, or, or learn. And I'll, even when I read it, I'll take what that has said and I'll translate it into how I speak so I understand it and in the hope that other people, it simplifies for other people as well. But um, yeah, mm. fair play. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Fair play, fair play. Well, class, mate, that was, uh, thank, obviously, thanks for your time, mate. Uh, appreciated. There's lots of good stuff in there. Uh, Solly will work on his editing skills and get make sure it's succinct and, and good for everyone. We <laughs> won't. Well, I just thank you, obviously, for your time, mate, and hopefully everyone can find you over at Conscious King Coaching. Yeah, we have. This was, um, well, we've released seven episodes. We've got four in the background. So it's Editing. 11. So, so this would be the 12. It's not 12. It's not yeah, 12. 12, yeah. So you're at number 12. So proper number 12. I'll let Colin know. <laughs> there you go, man. I'll stay in That's it, mate. And just tell Colin, sponsor this episode, then we're sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Great for at least a Christmas anyway. Yeah, that's great. There's actually there's another there's, there's an Irish girl who does it who was on a mental health charity live ball with me that I've spoken about before. She's now doing her own podcast called A County Down Under. And yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, she's going off. She is like a huge following and she's got sponsored by some coffee place and all. So any uh prospective, you know, sponsors <laughs> out there, we're sponsors. open to business. <laughs> You like Our legs are wide open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no, nice oh, and yeah. mate. Really appreciate it. Great chat. That was yeah, a long very one. Well. We, we could have kept going for a few more hours, I'd say. Yeah, look, I'm glad. Thank you very much for having me on, boys. Um, yeah, I'm really happy that you're doing this. Uh, and like I said, the more the merrier. It's 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 us that are going to change the world, not the governments. They're fucking it up. Mm. So uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, it's inspiring and yeah. I look forward to seeing what you guys accomplish yeah boys just by being real you know by, by being real this podcast is where you find real authentic expression mm. anything on the telly is just a lot of bollocks just propped up like yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's that simple isn't it just conversation it's real yeah yeah, yeah. No, I love it. Well, snippets. Thanks, mate. Yeah, appreciate it. Tell Sir Sir, send my love and uh, have a good weekend. Same, same, same. Cheers, mate. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzier, and the Black Dog Institute.